I sometimes wonder, why do I like to share this story? Like, it's kind of embarrassing. Um, but uh, the reason why is because I want other people to be able to experience Jesus in this way. Um, and so I'm willing to let them see some of the, that brokenness um, if because uh, I guess that's the relatable part, right? And so then they can experience the same kind of redemption that I have. Um, and hopefully they'll also find the truth and the beauty of the Catholic Church on their journey. Welcome to the I Am Here podcast, a space to be inspired by stories of men and women who have found in the Eucharist the strength and purpose for their lives. I'm your co-host, Leah Butalid, and I've been gathering stories for IamHere.org. And I'm Father Mario Amore, a priest of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and today we welcome our guest, Heather Soderquist, to share her story. Welcome, Heather. Hi, thanks for having me. We're so glad to have you and to get the chance to dive into your story once again. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, so our listeners can get to, get to know you a little bit more. Can you tell us uh, what parish you're a part of here in the Detroit area? Our Lady of Sorrows. Wonderful. Very good. Wonderful. And Heather, you are a stay-at-home mom? Kind of. Okay. <laughs> Almost. Okay. Um, I work part-time as okay. a youth minister at Our Lady of Sorrows. Okay. No, that's, that's a fairly recent. Yeah. Less than okay. two years. Okay. Wow. Two-year anniversary would be October. Very good. Um, but we're expecting baby number five in June. So I think I actually will get to be a stay-at-home mom for real for the first time. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. Tell us a little bit more about your family. Um, my husband and I have been married since 2004, and we got married at Our Lady of Sorrows. Wow. I was actually baptized there as well. Oh <laughs> we um, met at um, Central Michigan, so we came back and moved around for a while, and then when we had our first son in 2009, we were back at Our Lady of Sorrows, and um, sorry, then we had a, a couple more kids later <laughs> on. So we were in St. Clair Shores um, when they first started school, mm -hmm. and then we've been blessed to come back to Farmington Hills, oh. and um, we've been parishioners at Our Lady of Sorrows so for about five years again. Beautiful. And what ages are your little ones? Uh, 13, oh. 11, 6, and 3 and a half. Awesome. And in the youth ministry you do at Our Lady of Sorrows, what ages are you working with there? Middle school, high school, both? Both. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Very cool. Well, you haven't always worked in ministry, right? So can you tell us a little bit about your time working in a medical lab and what that was like? Um... I didn't enjoy it so much for oh. when I was there because I'm um, a little bit more of a social person and it was just me and my microscope. Okay. Um, but I listened to a lot of audiobooks wow. <laughs> for several years. <laughs> um, and then when I um, kind of had the experience we were going to talk about today, mm -hmm. I start, I um, all of a sudden the internet was like around and we didn't have to listen to CDs anymore. <laughs> and I found um, some wonderful Catholic podcasts and um, I've spent the last five years of my career um, in the laboratory listening to things that um, have educated me and inspired me on my faith. And I found like, wow, I love this job. Wow. <laughs> this is an awesome job <laughs> to have. And part of it was memorizing the scriptures, right? I tried to memorize the scriptures, okay. <laughs> um, but that was mostly from a women's devotional that was, um, you know, uh, one verse here and there. Okay. Um, and so I would repeat them over and over to myself um, as, you know, kind of positive affirmations. Sure. Um, but I did find that 
memorizing the, those scriptures um, help my prayer life because the Lord can recall something to me that he said however many years ago um, mm-hmm. that I happened to have memorized. <laughs> and he tells me that at an appropriate time. So I'm like, yeah. oh, good. I'm glad I had ever learned what his voice sounds like through the scripture because I can recognize it now. Yeah. Beautiful. And so it was through that woman's devotional that inspired you to to delve more deeply into the scriptures and, and to memorize e- even those short passages. That's That's always... A blessing doesn't matter how long they are. Yeah, I had a whole um, page that I put in a plastic Ziploc bag and stuck to my um, shower wall because oh when gosh. plastic is wet, it'll stick. <laughs> so then I could repeat them back to myself all like in the mornings. And then when I was walking, I'd keep the book in my pocket so I could get a new one. Yeah, <laughs> right now. I love that. That's awesome. And um, so in in the story that you shared with us on IamHere.org, you shared a little bit more about what was going on in your life um, during this time that you were working in the lab and kind of starting to, you know, engage more with scripture and with your faith. Can you tell us what else was going on in your life and kind of unpack what, what that looked like for you? Sure. Well, um, I was uh, full-time in the laboratory. Um since I started my career. And then um, a few years after we were married, my husband um, was working with his father and his father's company. And um, my father-in-law's health went downhill. And so the nice thing was that he was available to like take his dad to his chemotherapy appointments and help him after he lost his leg. But then um, ultimately we lost him. Um, And so now we just have another person to pray for us in heaven. But it was really, really hard on my husband. He lost his father and his job. Um, And um, so for about six years, I was the only working person. And um, in the middle there, I was kind of like, well, you're home all day. So um, I think it's time we have kids. So, um, so we did, um, which was a joy, and I would work early in the morning so that I could come home. And my son, uh, my first son, had um, 50-50 time. Exactly. I counted the hours. He was with me 50% of the time. He was with wow. Dad 50% of the time. He was awake. Um, so uh, that was um, a pretty good compromise. But then things changed at work, and I didn't have the same flexibility, and I couldn't work as much and things got really tight and one day I woke up and I was so frustrated and I found out um we had ten thousand dollars of credit card debt I didn't know Mm -hmm. that we weren't making it (laughs) where we were living we had our second child and I don't know if you know this but it's sometimes stressful having infants and toddlers (laughs) in the house I've Um, heard (laughs) so that was um a little bit difficult Mm -hmm. Um, and then um, and then obviously my husband had sort of depression and so you know we weren't communicating properly and there were lots of issues so um, so I was kind of (laughs) desperate but I was really blessed because um, at whatever point in this story happened to be Lent I decided to make this commitment that I would pray um, in front of in the chapel um, at work I had the opportunity to go in there before work for a little bit of time or during my lunch break Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was in the habit because of this Lent commitment I made to go every work day to pray Mm -hmm. with Jesus Um, and so because I had established that habit and loved it so much um, whenever everything 
kind of got to the crisis point, I was already there talking to God every day. And so I don't even remember the exact timeline of how all that started. But he was, I didn't feel like I could ask for human support because I was actually afraid that my family would say, go ahead and get a divorce. (laughs) Um, So I didn't want to tell anybody how how hard things had gotten. And I didn't want to tell my husband how hard things had gotten because I was you know, feeling sorry for him, too. (laughs) Um, So God was really there for me. Um, And then when I brought this issue to him that I think I would be better off alone, (laughs) um, he was able to speak into my life through my prayer. Mm -hmm. And part of your prayer during that time was going into the chapel and journaling, you said. Um, Are you right? And so um, talk to us a little bit about what what journaling um, or how it, it affected your prayer and just your ability to make what was happening in your heart um, or com- communicate, communicating that to God? Yeah, um, I think the best way that I've been able to do journaling is that when I go into the chapel, I would kneel and, you know, pour my heart out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then I might sit for just a short time um, and then literally sit (laughs) and pull out my journal. And so when I would start to write, I think, obviously, if he had inspired me with words already, I liked to record those because I wanted to remember his answers. (laughs) Um, And I think maybe if I hadn't already heard something, I would reiterate with my writing the words that I have been telling him, you know. Um, and it seems like, you know, when I'm writing them, the the responses from him would just flow out. Or, for instance, I might say something like, oh, I feel so alone. And then I would say, but I remember that you're always with me. And I could, then the scriptures would come out like I was telling you. And so I could bolster myself with the words from scripture and that would be kind of by writing it just seemed easier to flow so heather you came before the lord in the blessed sacrament you were going before the lord every day bringing him um, just whatever was on your heart and in particular um, those things that were troubling you within your marriage and you were very um kind of direct with god like like asking him like what what should I do? Because I know if I go to other people, they're going to say one thing, Lord, but I want to be kind of attentive to to what you want. And so um, how was it that the Lord kind of revealed his plan for you and for your marriage? Um, I don't I don't think it took too long because when I came to him and I told him how frustrated I was and that I thought, this is not the man that I married, Lord. And I think um, I think I probably would qualify for an annulment. Mm-hmm. So I think I would be better off on my own. And it was extremely clear, and I'm pretty sure it was extremely fast, that he told me, no, <laughs> divorce is not okay for you. If it was, um, you know, some other situation, maybe he would say something different to somebody else. But I knew that the church um, didn't support the idea of divorce, and so... Um, even though I cried and I argued and I probably begged him (laughs) to give me that freedom um, for a time um, I I think it was very clear to me what he said from the beginning the answer was no and so then I said well why (laughs) 
<laughs> and that's what led me back to the church because I believed that he was telling me the same thing that the church would tell me. So that's when I started looking for EWTN and Ave Maria Radio, and I was trying to find that answer, like, why would you not let me do this? <laughs> um, and I found a lot of answers. <laughs> it wasn't just about that. Um, and I did have to, you know, ask myself a series of questions. I'm kind of like that logical person. I couldn't just say like, oh, well, the church I was raised in must be the truth. Instead, I had to say like, well, okay, where did the authority of the church come from? <laughs> and um, how do we know exactly what God thinks? Um, and how did we reason that out? And uh, in all of the conversion stories that I listened to and the other resources that I found, I also found um, daily mass and I um, began going to daily mass. That was another um, benefit of how God led me. The first um, hospital that I worked in, it would not have been possible. But when I moved and when our, all of our financial problems started uh, kind of after that move, I was right across the street from um, Shrine of the Little Flower and, and the the schedule that I was so resistant to having at work is the one that allowed me to attend daily mass there um, because then I could be on time for work and I stopped, stopped getting in trouble for being <laughs> late <laughs> because I would be there early right after mass. Mm -hmm. And so in any case, I also found um, confession mm -hmm. um, and that was a huge part in resolving my relationship with my husband because there were so many things that I felt were unfair um or that he had done and then um it took me three confessions father mario <laughs> before i finally had a clean slate mm. <laughs> um and each time i would do a different examination of conscience before i would go and i would find all these other things that i was like oh no i guess that's a sin too <laughs> <laughs> um but because I was able to receive the Lord's forgiveness, I think that was really key in being able to give forgiveness. And even years later, we did some more marriage coaching and we had a session where we had to tell each other, I'm sorry for all of these things about our marriage. Um, and he told me things that I didn't even know had been happening at the time. And it was not hard for me to forgive him. It wasn't hard for me to grant him that forgiveness, he, even after the fact, even when it was new stuff I didn't know, mm. um, because I already knew what it was like to be forgiven by God. And so um, I wanted him to have that redemption as well. So um, all of those things that I learned was mm. um, important in my journey, and that's um, part of the inspiration for the things that are so important for me to try to teach the students that I work with is wow. that um, one, have an encounter with Jesus, and two, um, the church has the answers. <laughs> so when you're ready to ask the questions, it can handle them. <laughs> <laughs> so don't hesitate, they're there. So good, so good. So I wanna talk a little bit more about these encounters with Jesus that started to kind of really shift that you made this commitment during Lent to just go and be with him in the Blessed Sacrament. and. During that time, when you would sit before the Lord, kneel before him, journal, um, when you would, you know, end your time in prayer, or go back to work or head back into your day, what changed, if anything, or, or how did that affect you kind of in from moment to moment in the in the more immediate moments following those encounters with him? 
Well, when I said yes to God's direction to me, that divorce wasn't an option for me, um, I thought I was accepting a life of suffering. I thought I was going to never, you know, I was going to have to live with this selfish husband (laughs) and um, constantly be sacrificing myself for for that marriage Mm -hmm. to work, you know. Um, So I expected that I was accepting a life of drudgery. Um, And what I didn't realize is that God doesn't just restore things, but he redeems things. They get better than they were before. And so um, I, I, I think doing the Lord's will is satisfying. You know, I mean, I loved him and I I've heard that he loved me. And so I was willing to make that sacrifice, <laughs> the suffering that I was expecting. Um, but I think, you know, also closing the back door kind of um, for the relationship, you know, you realize, well, if I'm stuck here, I probably should make it as good as, <laughs> as, yeah. good as I can. Yeah. So I did eventually tell him how frustrated I was. And we mm-hmm. did get counseling to help us work on our communication and my sister um, was voluntarily babysitting for us and she was like oh I would never tell you to get a divorce I'm like oh now I have human support too (laughs) so um, so I think there was hope not long you know after and I think that changes things Um, but I think uh, the relationship with Jesus in terms of finding him in the church and like confession obviously that's like a huge weight (laughs) lifted off your shoulders Um, and so I think um, I had this hardness of heart, not only toward my husband, but towards the church. And so God is so beautiful and that he can wrap that all together. And so I just remember feeling like I could experience joy again, right? Like once all of that had been cleaned off my heart, (laughs) it wasn't so heavy anymore. So, um, So even though like, some of the other circumstances with my work and the time I was able to spend with my kids were not as um, fulfilling as I wanted to or it wasn't arranged exactly the way I wanted to. Um, I think it, that I came to a place of joy. And, and because of my conversion back to the church, um, I think that it changed my husband's relationship as well because... Um, we had other influences outside the church in terms of religion and Christianity. Um, but after I was kind of like, um, no, the church is the way to go. <laughs> um, then um, he was able to come on board with me. And um, a few years you know, down this journey of restoring a relationship and coming back to the church, and um, he was on board with me with my dream of being more of a stay-at-home mom. Um, and so we did a novena, actually, to Our Lady of Victory together. We, we had started praying the rosary um, in May and October, and our little four-year-old and two-year-old could be there sometimes, and they had their Bibles. And they, I remember my son, when he was four, and he was laying down, and we were— um, I was. This was their way to stay up late, right? Like <laughs> your bedtime's eight o'clock, but if you pray the rosary with us, you can stay <laughs> up until the rosary's over. So he would have his Bible, and he was laying in our bed, and we were doing the sorrowful mysteries, and um, and he and I, you know, we said the third mystery is the crowning with thorns, and he like sat up straight, <laughs> straight in bed, pulled out the Bible, and started flipping through as a children's Bible, a beautiful illustrations, and I was like. 
lay down. You're supposed to be trying to go to sleep. And he was like, but I want to see the picture of the crown of thorns. And I was like, he's this little four-year-old. He's like, (laughs) and a couple on one more funny story (laughs) is that um, occasionally he would like, you know, interrupt us praying the rosary. So he would like walk into our bedroom late at night. What is a married couple doing in their bedroom late at night? Praying the rosary. That's what he always saw us doing. So... (laughs) It's amazing to to reflect upon um, just it, it all began this this transformation in your own life and in your marriage and just in the life of your family. It began with a Lenten commitment in the midst of hardship and struggle. And uh, for so many people, I think when when we begin the season of Lent, we start out with just great aspirations of of what we're going to do and you know how we're going to grow in relationship with the Lord. And then by um, sometimes by the end of week one. Uh, those kind of fizzle out a little bit. But for you, um, that that was something that you took seriously. And and the connections that we, we like to make is the fact that, as you talked about your hardness of heart, the Lord was taking initiative in your life. He's always the one to make the first move, right? So he invited you into this place of um, just conversion and, and this place of experiencing him and his presence. And that now has had an effect because you said yes to that that has an effect has had an effect on like every part of of your life and had you not done that um who knows where you would be today right who, who knows where where your marriage would be um how many children you would have and so it's just beautiful when we think about our own hard hearts or the hardness of hearts of others like the lord is always so gracious to us in those places and um He's, he's just always calling us to just a deeper sense of love and, and a deeper sense of union um, with him. And so I think you are, you're an inspiration to, uh, to all of us, to, to our listeners, um, just to, as we think about those ways in which we can deepen our relationship with the Lord, to never underestimate the power of, um, you know, a prayer with your spouse or the power of, Um, praying a novena, even if you've never done it before, um, or sharing your faith uh, with your, with your little ones, because it just, it has an effect. And um, it's how we live out our, our call with the Lord and our call to be um, his, his disciples. And so no matter how little or or how big the, the practice might be that we, that we pick up, um, who knows how, how God, how God's going to work and how gracious he is to us in those moments. And Father Mario, that was the first novena I'd ever done. I don't recall hearing about novenas as a child, but um, I think it was a matter of weeks after we prayed that novena that my my husband got the first inquiry of, you know, have you ever thought of being an electrician? And he was like, no. But actually that turned out to be his new career, and he can support our family with that um, new income. And so it was kind of... Um, I mean, it was an answer to prayer for us that he was able to start a new career. And um, and then we had uh, a son first <laughs> when I was able to go part-time. Um, and um, and I was kind of disappointed because we had wanted to name her Victoria. <laughs> so then we had a, another one. And so she's Victoria for Our Lady of Victory. Um, so I guess that was God's way of making sure that we repopulate Christianity. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> keep having more babies. <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful. I, I find it um, just providential and a beautiful <laughs> gift that you made this commitment so many Lents ago, and we get to record this episode during the season of Lent, reflecting on just how Jesus in the Eucharist really radically changed your life. Just this one commitment to going and spending time with him and all the dominoes that kind of fell in the right place after that. Um, Can you share a little bit about how, you know, looking back on that season of prayer and closeness to Jesus that took place then, how that's affected your closeness to him today and your encounters with Jesus in your life today? Um, well, I think the biggest thing is that I know he's he's always there. So I know what to do if my prayer ever feels dry, you know. Um, and I found that it's harder to devote specific time for prayer when you're a stay-at-home mom. And so um, sometimes an interrupted prayer and it's hard to keep habits that are so helpful <laughs> um, in, in prayer time. So... Um, I think um, that I, knowing that he's there is number one. And then number two, like going back and looking at all those journals um, help a lot. But I, I feel like I've um, been progressing through different, you know, stages of a spiritual journey since then. So, you know, in ways it's constantly evolving my my relationship with Jesus and um, being able to um, have patron saints and um, and so it's expand my my faith life has expanded beyond you know where I was before. Beautiful. With your um, with your busy family life and you know part time work as well, I imagine that it's probably difficult sometimes to get to Eucharistic adoration to spend that quiet time with the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, but when when you are able to kind of get away and pray for a while, even if it's just for a few minutes in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. How do you, how do you spend that time? Most of the dedicated time that I spend praying is because of my new job. Mm-hmm. So I get to work right on campus with Jesus. <laughs> and both, so like that connection, like again, the Lord yeah. brings you to this place, like you're working for a church now. We have the Blessed Sacrament and God gives to you what you need, you know, to, 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 to get away, if we could say that, from from the busyness of being a mom to into his presence. So continue. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I do find that I, um, I'm very cognizant that I want Jesus to be working in my ministry and um, helping me do the work and inspiring me. So um, a lot of my dedicated prayer time in front of the tabernacle um, is surrounding my work Um, but it is so interesting especially when I have the opportunity to do some creative um, part of my work that's where I I like to go sit in the church and I offer everything up and um, it's like the spirit flows so much easier and um, I can pull out my notebook or whatever and um, and I feel like he's with me there when I'm doing those creative things and um, and that's like his little blessing on Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever thing I'm working on Beautiful. I would love to hear what role the Eucharist plays in your marriage today um, and how you and your husband um, together encounter him, whether that's at Mass or in moments in adoration, if you can steal away that time together. Um, if I, I just would love to hear what role Jesus and his presence plays in your marriage. The biggest transition maybe from the outside that you could look at from our marriage 
17 years ago <laughs> um, to now um, is that, you know, before we had talked about like, well, the man is the head of the family, um, but I didn't trust him. <laughs> so now I see him actually as uh, the real faithful leader and the leader of our family in all those other ways. So um, I also I also think that the new friendships that he has um, make me feel more secure in, a, in being able to trust him because I don't think that he's out on his own trying <laughs> trying to make all the right decisions um, with without um, further input or um, understanding from God. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that really answers your question. I would love to tell you that we spend date night, um, <laughs> you know, in front of the Eucharist, but actually adoration on Fridays closes at 645 <laughs> and usually our date doesn't start until after that. <laughs> So, um, unfortunately, that's not part of it, but um, we're both, well, he's, um, you know, he serves the church during the masses and um, our eldest son now and daughter as well. Um, so, you know, the the mass is the center of our, yeah. you know, spiritual life as a family. And then we have, you know, bedtime prayers and we do our, you know, um, devotions at various times, so, you know, try and keep things fresh and yeah. <laughs> change things up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. The scriptures constantly reveal Jesus to us as uh, a healer. That's mm-hmm. precisely why he was, why the Father sent him, right, to, to heal us um, in just our places of, of, of darkness and those places where we have hard hearts um, and in the places of sin, which we all, all struggle with. I think um, just your, your vulnerability here uh, with us and, and in your story is just a, a beautiful witness of um, just w- what it means to, to come before the Lord as we are, especially when, when we're coming into his presence in our prayer and um, in the blessed sacrament, um, because that's the place where Jesus, uh, he, he reveals um, not only our own places of woundedness, but he also reveals to us that he's precisely in those places of woundedness. I think that's what so many of the scriptures, especially during the Lenten season, remind us of. If it's the woman at the well or the man born blind, like that's where Jesus shows up. And that's where where healing begins to take place. And that's where we begin to come to to know Jesus. Um, I think there's a story of, I think it's St. Teresa of Avila. Um, she was she was sleeping and she had, there was an apparition um, of Jesus in her in her dream or or whatever and um she said oh that's not jesus you know if if we if we had an apparition of jesus we'd be like oh my gosh wow but she's like no that's not jesus and somebody asked her well how do you know it's not jesus and she said it's not jesus because he didn't have any wounds um and so i i I keep that in mind when i think about um just our own our own um uh how how we see jesus and how we think we have to portray ourselves to him and had you had you not come before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament with just like just all the brokenness that you were experiencing, if as so many of us try to do, we just come before the Lord and put up a, a, a nice facade and like, okay, Lord, like here I am, and you know, you be you and I'll be me. And um, but you welcome Jesus into that, into those places of woundedness, um, and you were vulnerable with Him, and that's how and why your life and your marriage. Uh, has been transformed and your relationship with Jesus. And so um, your story is just such an inspiration in so many different ways for us. And um, we're just so grateful that you've joined us here uh, to share that and and to be that witness with others. 
Well, thank you. I sometimes wonder, why do I like to share this story? Like, it's kind of embarrassing. Um, but uh, the reason why is because I want other people to be able to experience Jesus in this way. Um, and so I'm willing to let them see <laughs> some of that brokenness um, if because uh, I guess that's the relatable part, right? And so then they can experience the same kind of redemption that I have. Um, and hopefully they'll also find the truth and the beauty of the Catholic Church on their journey because um, kind of what you were saying reminded me that, you know, I used to think of Jesus as my best friend. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times your best friend doesn't really challenge you. Um, and I think because of that kind of, um, you know, like considering that relationship, he's always happy with me, he's always my cheerleader, he loves me so much. Um, versus being able to recognize the, the guard rails that he gave mm -hmm. us in the church as a starting point mm -hmm. for, you know, how we're actually going to be disciples instead of just being best happy friends. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the challenge of discipleship is a worthwhile challenge to undertake um, and that you won't really experience the fruit of um, having Jesus as your Lord uh, not just your friend, mm -hmm. um, until you accept that there are some things mm -hmm. that he wants you to do and there are some things that you're not supposed to, <laughs> to keep you safe. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Heather. Your story is such a gift. We all have those places of woundedness and need to be reminded to just bring that to Jesus. And so I'm, I'm so grateful. I know our listeners will be very grateful for the ways you've been willing to share. So thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. We're very grateful. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the I Am Here podcast. You can read and listen to more stories of people encountering Jesus in the Eucharist at IamHere.org. And we also invite you to share your story with us. I Am Here is a campaign by the Archdiocese of Detroit and Hallow App in support of the National Eucharistic Revival.